for that LSU. I don't know what about you, Zach, but that song gets me a little hype. How do you feel? Dude, I love that song. I mean, you introduced that song to me. I think it was in the 2019 season, uh, LSU football season. And I just want to give a huge shout out to five-star hero. Reached out to him. I wanted to see if we could use his song on our podcast as an intro, outro, and he was awesome to work with, so I just want to give him a huge shout-out. Y'all can go find that song on all the big music platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, etc., all the all the mainstream music platforms. Go check him out, and also just go check out his clothing content on his Facebook. We're super excited to be working with him. Yeah, man, we appreciate that five-star. They ain't ready for the LSU five-star Hero, we appreciate that man. Dope song, uh, Zach. I mean, getting this started here, I guess we might as well introduce ourselves. We are brothers, obviously, we are LSU fans, of course. I'm huge LSU fans, it's a passion of ours, it's a hobby of mine. I'm 22 years old, and my name's Reagan. And man, we're just here to have some good conversation about LSU. And I mean, I guess whatever else comes up. Yeah, and I'm Zach, 24 years old, obviously, also an LSU fan, huge LSU fanatic. I am uh, the older brother to Reagan, oldest in the family, so of course, I have to pick on him a little bit. Growing up together, uh, we always butted heads on our opinions, but I think with uh, the LSU Tigers, we don't really butt heads too much on uh, those opinions. Yeah, not very much. Not very much. We, we There's some things every now and then that are slight, but definitely uh, most of the time we agree on everything speaking of i mean let's get into it heartbreaker heartbreaker on saturday man lsu versus alabama in t-town 14 to 20 loss man that one hurt i mean the season we've had the ups the downs the adversity the coaching decision oh man i mean what a a statement win that would have been if we would have been able to pull that off I mean, how do you feel about it? I, I just feel like that was just a heartbreaker because that game just means so much to LSU. Whoever's hired for this job, like it's beat Alabama and get to the SEC championship and keep compete for a national championship. So, I mean, to, to be able to pull that win off in the middle of a season like this, it would have been huge. How do you feel about it? I mean, not only is it huge for obviously, uh, LSU and the team, but, I mean, the fans, right? I mean, we've got that bitter hatred towards <laughs> Nick Saban for leaving us, and, you know, after beating them in 2011, and then uh, them coming back and beating us in the Natty, and then eight years later, still beating us all those years, and then it takes us until 2019, and Joe Burrow, and the legend of Joe Burrow, to finally beat them. You know, obviously that game means a lot. I mean, nobody expected anything, you know, going to the game. And then, you know, once you see that missed field goal and then LSU goes down, they get the huge uh, fourth down conversion with the Avery Atkins fake punt and throws it to Jack Mashburn, which was, I think, awesome. I mean, it was like he floated it in basketball. And, uh, I mean, it was awesome. And then he goes down and we get a 
touchdown with Brian Thomas wide open. And I mean, then you're like, oh my gosh, like, is this happening? And then you go to the end of the second or the end of the first quarter in the same quarter. And I remember turning to dad and I was like, dad, we are leading Alabama at the end of a quarter. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, what's crazy is literally, I mean, no, Alabama has scored on their opening drive in every single game that year, except for Mercer. And what's wild is we were the first power five FCS school that held them uh, from scoring on their first possession. And not only did we hold them on scoring from their first possession, we held them from scoring period dang near close to the entire first half. And of course we had uh, some, some issues at the end of the first half that led to two touchdowns, the turnover, uh, the pick that was punched out from Jare Jenkins' hands that inevitably fell into the hands of the defensive back of Alabama. And with Bryce Young and those receivers, they responded quickly, and all of a sudden it was 14-7. to uh, Let's talk about the defense a little bit. I mean, they fought hard. I mean, we uh, as many starters as we had out, on defense, what an incredible effort! Give me your take on uh, what you think about the defense on Saturday. I mean, I think you have to give a huge shout out to Jay Ward and White McLaughlin. I mean, those dudes, those yes, guys play yes, their hearts yes. out. I mean, and and then shoot, go to freaking Darren Evans. Pick, I didn't know Pig Cage was on the team. I didn't know who he was. Until I saw it announced on Twitter, I think Brody Miller he um, he tweeted about Pig Cage on the team and and stated how he was another Nichols transfer. I had no clue that we had gotten another Nichols transfer outside of Darren Evans from last year. But I mean, Darren Evans, Pig Cage, and Cam Lewis played a great game. I mean, he's the dude that popped Bryce Young and forced the fumble uh, in the fourth quarter, which set us up for a great opportunity to take the lead. And then also our boy from Horn Lake, right down the road from where we live here in South Haven, Mississippi. Of course, you're right now in Jonesboro, Arkansas, going to school. But, you know, from our hometown, South Haven, he came from Horn Lake High School right down the road. I mean, he had a great game. you got to give a shout-out to the, the young guys, the the third stringers just about on this defensive back lineup. And, I mean, they played an excellent game. And you also just got to shout-out the D-line and, of course, Damone Clark. I mean, holy cow, Damone Clark, what a turnaround for him this season. That man is making some money. Oh my gosh! Yes, I mean, big money. He's he's pushing first round right now. I mean, he deserves the Budkus Award. The dude is leading the nation in tackles, and he is flying out. And you know what's funny? Like compared to his standards for each game this season, like the Alabama game was kind of a letdown. He only had eight tackles, and that's crazy that's when you when, yeah. when your standard is like you're expecting him to yeah. get double-digit tackles, but that's been the kind of season he has had, and I know a lot of people gave him a lot of crap last year because of the season he had and wearing the 18, but he has earned the respect, and I think he has definitely earned the honor of the number 18 jersey this year, and he, like you said, he has earned himself a lot of money. So, Absolutely. I mean, puts and also, I mean, put some respect on Durante Jones. I mean, we can talk about the offense and our opinion on the offense and Jake Peets, but I think 
Durante has done an awesome job this year. He took a lot, a lot of criticism at the beginning of the season with the UCLA game and some other games. But, man, he just brought a beat-up, hardly any depth in the uh, on the defense into Alabama, Tuscaloosa. We're talking about the number two team in the nation. We're talking about Alabama. And they dominated that game. They dominated. They won the line of scrimmage. So that was very huge. You got to give credit to all of that unit. I think I think another huge factor in the game was Neil Farrell. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Neil Farrell is the highest rated defensive lineman in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. And he had like a 90.2 rating, if I remember correctly. 90.2, 90.4 rating against Alabama, according to Pro Football Focus. I mean, dude balled out. He had the sack. Alabama netted six rushing yards on the game. Wild. We held Alabama to less than 10 yards rushing. Of course, and that's Ryan Robinson Jr. is a stud. Right. Yeah, he's a stud. He's an Alabama running back. You know, if you take away the the sack yards, it's a little bit more. But Brian Robinson, on his own, only had 18 total rushing yards. But the thing is, is they include the sack yards, and that's why they netted a total of six rushing yards, which is incredible because Bryce Young had a negative 22 rushing day because of all the sacks. I mean, just incredible. Depleted, uh, counted out. Good grief. It was a 28-and-a-half point spread. And the game finished with a six-point deficit. Got to give all the credit in the world to their heart and how they played in that game. I mean, it made it thrilling. It made it interesting. And you, just as a Tiger fan, just as a football fan in general, games like that are awesome. And to see that happen the way it did, I was proud to be a Tiger fan that night. Uh, I want to say I want to get your take on that though. Like a lot of people were talking about the moral victories. Like, how did how, how what's your take on the moral victory? Because I mean, it, it's a heartbreaking right. loss. You want to see them win. I mean, right. they had the opportunities to win in all aspects. They dominated that game outside of the turnovers at the turnover at the right. end of the of first half and at the beginning of the second half, uh, which is just I mean, that's the difference in the ball game. I don't want to be the one to be like, let's take the moral victory here. Like, oh my right. gosh, we almost beat Bama. But at the same time, it's like, it, it kind of gives you hope for the future because, I mean, just specifically you talking about the defensive right. line and Neil Farrell. I mean, Neil Farrell's going to be gone after this year. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the guys that can come back, and we hope, you know, we hope a lot of them do with this uh, coaching turnover that's going to happen. There's a lot, there's a bright, bright future uh, for LSU football, and especially that defense we're talking about going into next year. I mean, you're going to lose Derek Stingley, but you're going to have Eli Ricks back. You're going to have Dwight McLaughlin. You're going to maybe have Jay Ward, maybe Cordell Flott back. You know, Cordell might go pro. Not sure. I think Jay Ward should be able to come back. I'm not sure if he's draft eligible or not. I, I want to say he is, but I would think he's going to come back. Um, you know, and then all the young guys, the freshmen, uh, the freshmen that will be coming in next year. Uh, you know, we're going to have to Right. Get, some, get some depth at linebacker, um, maybe a little help at safety. But, I mean, Major Burns has been out. He's going to be back next year. Yep. You you can assume Mike Jones is going to be back next year. And, this, of course, this is all barring the coaching situation. But, I mean, I, it's a bright future. Look, looking at what happened uh, in that game with the depleted defense that we have, you, you've got to at least take the uh, some positive away from that game, as heartbreaking as Absolutely. it was, and say, man – We've got a bright future ahead of us if we can just get the right guy. 
Right. I, I don't know if I'm all for moral victories, uh, but <laughs> in a season like this, when your coach is going out the door, uh, there's been so many off-field problems, some toxicity right. amongst the program. Uh, that was a moral victory. It felt good to compete like that. How you feel about Max Johnson's play? He was 16 of 32, 160 yards passing, two touchdowns, of course, to Brian Thomas Jr. and Jack Besh, who is going to be a stud. Uh, Jack Besh, I, I just can't wait to see what that man does at LSU. But Max Johnson finished with two touchdowns and also one pick. It seemed like times he was indecisive. I think there was times, you know, we have a depleted offensive line. It's not really a SEC caliber offensive line. And I think we can all agree on that. But I think the offensive line did enough this game to give Max Johnson opportunities. And I think Max Johnson's movement in the pocket cost him some sacks and cost him some better throwing angles on the fourth and nine late in the game. The pocket was closing around a little bit. And instead of stepping up in the pocket and making that throw to Besh, he dropped back uh, and threw off his back foot fading away and the ball was overthrown. So how do you feel about Max Johnson maybe going forward? And how do you feel maybe with a new coach? I mean, obviously with a new coach, I, I think all positions are wide open. But how do you feel about the offseason with quarterback play? Uh, we got Nuss, Buss, Garrett Nussmeyer, and of course we have the number one quarterback recruit in the nation and Walker Howard coming as well. What do you think about that? Well, in regards to Max in the game, you know, he's had an up and down season, and you got to give him a little leniency because, I mean, shoot, the offensive line, let's just be honest, they've been terrible for most of the year. But they had their best game Saturday against Alabama. I mean, run protection, pass protection, they they had their best game by far. And I think Max Johnson, because of the inconsistent play on offensive line from the past games, you know, he still has that in his mind. Uh, you talked about the fourth and nine where he could have hit Besh. I mean, Besh was there. He was he was open. I mean, he had he had a few steps on the DB there, and if, if he takes a step into that throw instead of throwing off his back foot, he hits him. Or even if he just takes a little bit of the trajectory off of that throw, I mean, you can do that if you take the trajectory off. But also remember the uh, fourth and goal, uh, the drive before that. He had Palmer, and he looks to his left, uh, I I believe at his first option, then he goes to Palmer. Uh, If he sees Palmer on the break and hits him on the break, um, he's got him. But instead, he holds it a little too long, and he has to sail it. Uh, high so that Palmer can go get it, and he sells it a little bit too high. I mean, it, it was there, but I mean, it's a tough. That's a tough catch for Palmer to make, and Palmer made a heck of an effort and went through his hands. But that, I mean, that's on Max. You know, if you if you throw that ball a second earlier when he makes his break, I mean, you, you hit him uh, before that before that other DB comes over the top. And then let's not forget early on in the game. I don't know if it was the first drive or second drive. It might have been the second drive because we scored the first drive, or it might have been the first drive and and he missed it, and then we had to convert the fourth down. I'm not sure. I have to go back and look at the game notes. But he had Dre Jenkins wide open, and because he, he got happy feet in the pocket, he had to roll to his right and then throw it out of bounds. But if he if he 
And the pocket was good on that play. If you go back and watch that play, the pocket was it, it was it was pretty well protected. And if he if he just holds that onto that ball a little bit longer, then he's able to see Dre Jenkins because it was a busted coverage. He's wide open. Uh, would have been an easy touchdown. So I mean, it's it's just inconsistent. It's he's either a, a second too late, a second too early. But he's a young quarterback. I mean, last night or uh, Saturday night was what was that his. 11th start? I think 11, so. 11, he, yeah. he started the last two games of the season last year and then. Yeah. Nine started. games this year and yeah. then two games last 11, year. 11 starts. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's a young guy. He's going to develop. And I mean, of course, depending on what head coach we bring in, um, you know, if you bring in the quarterback whisperer Jimbo, I mean, you, you got to imagine Johnson's going to develop and play well. I think what's interesting, though, is, of course, uh, before we started this podcast this past week, we learned that Miles Brennan has entered the transfer portal, which surprised me because I think with the way Max has been playing, um, you have the possibility of Miles actually starting next year because of what we saw this year with Max Johnson. So I, I don't know um, what's going to happen. If if I were a betting man, I would say Max Johnson is going to be the starter in the first snap in 2022, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's young. He's got a lot, a lot to learn. And, you know, I think in time he's, he's going to become a really great quarterback. You know, he's not a Joe Burrow. He's not going to wow you and be this, just this legendary quarterback. But I think, you know, a lot of people right now are pegging him as a game manager. I think he can be better, even better than a game manager. Um, I think he can be a really good SEC quarterback yeah. um, with the right development. I, I agree on uh, that as well. I've seen the game manager statement. I just don't know if I buy that either. I mean, I guess you could say for this season, sure, but it's his first full season, like you said. I mean, starting and being in the SEC and whatnot, and if he had a great coach who can develop, I think he'd be great. And, I mean, there's been times when he's flashed and, and you've been like, wow, that was incredible. You know, overall – Looking at what we thought the Alabama game was going to be, that was incredible. So I give it up to their heart and I give it up to them for going in there and, and not just dying another Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa death uh, to the Crimson Tide and going in there fighting like Tigers do. I think we've kind of made the point that, you know, the talent is there for the future coach. Uh, so speaking of the future coach, let's let's kind of move on from the game Saturday, and let's transition here to coaching search. I mean, this is going to be a huge topic now sure. and until the coach is announced. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Who's go, who's going to be the next coach? I mean, you know, we've seen um, all the different names from the beginning of when we found out after the Florida game that Ed Ordron was no longer going to continue as the head coach with the team. Of course, you know, at the beginning of, of that, we saw James Franklin was the big name. Uh, we saw Mel Tucker uh, in the mix there. We saw Jimbo, and then it seems like, you know, as the weeks progressed, we began to see other big names. I mean, shoot, Mike Tomlin was brought up. Dabo was brought up. Um, of course, Luke Fickle and, and Billy Napier were in the mix there at the beginning. But it seems like now it's kind of circled back to two main guys, Mel Tucker and Jimbo. Of course, we know Jimbo was hired at AM by Scott Woodward, our AD at LSU right now, uh, whenever he was at AM. And you got to imagine that 
he wants Jimbo again. He, he I mean, I, if I'm if I'm guessing, we're going to try to go and get Jimbo. Um, he doesn't have uh, a buyout, which is fantastic for LSU uh, financially. Which even even though that wouldn't be a problem for for, for LSU, but um, yeah. you know, I mean, you can imagine they're, they're probably still like you know like that because they're already having to buy out all these other people, and Ed Orgeron's seventeen sure. million. So um, they're, it not, seems they're not like worried Jimbo's, about the price. Yeah, yeah, they're not worried about it. Um, but it's nice to at least not have to worry about that buyout with Jimbo. Absolutely. Um, so I think Jimbo's the number one guy. And from what I've heard from all the LSU insiders that we follow close, you know, Jordy Collada, Matt Moscone, all those guys that we just love, it seems like it's it's Jimbo. And if it's not Jimbo, they're going for Mel Tucker. And from what I've heard, if Jimbo doesn't take the job and they don't work that out, Mel Tucker is going to take the job. Um, I mean, we know there's probably several other guys out there that would would want the job. I mean, we know that Lane Kiffin wants the job. We've we've heard through the news cycle that he has made it very clear with his agent that he would love to take the LSU job. I think he would, and he's a, a sixth in client. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, I, I think he would be an amazing head coach. I'm just looking forward to it because either way, I think you get the right guy in here. You know, we've had the last two coach coaches we've had have just been pretty rough. Les Miles was a good coach. He started really well. He just couldn't adapt to how the game was changing. Uh, of course, we never, know now about his adapt. off-field issues and all that stuff. We won't get into that. But, uh, of course, Ed, Ed Orgeron, um, great recruiter. He just couldn't couldn't make the right hires he was hard to work with obviously all the pr problems so it's it feels like if you can just get the right guy in place uh if you can lock down louisiana and recruiting have somebody here that knows how to develop offensive linemen which i think we have right now huge huge hire by the way yeah. i think you should and, be retained oh yeah i mean uh, davis yeah, go listen uh, to Scone uh, and 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 those guys. I mean, they they say it's going to be Corey Raymond. I mean, King of DBU and uh-huh. uh, and, and Davis. It's going to be those two guys. Um, I would love to see Blake Baker retained, though. Uh, look at the job he has done with the linebackers this okay. year. I mean, just I mean, we talked about Demone Clark earlier. Um, so, man, but let, let's talk about let's talk about who we would want. If it's me, if I'm if, if money didn't matter, if if we could just handpick who we wanted, I'd go get Dabo. Uh, he's proven you're not going to have those PR issues. He's been consistent. I mean, he is probably the only coach that we have seen create that consistent model close to what Nick Saban has done at Alabama. Um, so I would love to see him. I doubt that happens. I'm excited for the possibility of Jimbo or Mel Tucker. And early on in the search, we heard from Matt Moscona. He mentioned, you know, talking to some uh, other teams, and they said that they were, they were afraid of two names uh, in that point in the search, and it was Mel Tucker and Billy Napier. Right now, Mel Tucker seems like he could be the guy uh, if Jimbo isn't. Billy Napier on the outside looking in, kind of a Jay Johnson type hire. If you don't get your first, you know, your top tier guys, you know, you go down to that lower level and go and get Napier, who I think would be still do a fantastic job. Uh, and again, a guy that doesn't have a lot of PR problems. He's another Nick Saban uh, assistant that went through 
huge mass of uh, Nick Saban assistants <laughs> the, that the were car Alabama. Car yeah, the wash. car wash like they showed on on uh, on the game uh, <laughs> on Saturday night. Just go in there, get cleaned up, and then come out, go be a great head coach or head coordinator somewhere. So anyways, I, I'm excited about it. You know, I feel like, uh, I feel like we're getting close. Um, I think it could be, you know, probably right. not long after the A&M game. Yeah. I think, I think after the A&M game there, uh, especially if it's going to be a college coach, there's probably gonna be an announcement made. Uh, I think if you wait any past that, then you may be looking at somebody in the NFL. Um, if we're talking who I want, somebody that hasn't been mentioned very much and uh, I think it's due to uh, off the field issues uh, you know with Ed Ordron and whatnot this is going to be a clean hire a squeaky clean hire and the reason this guy hasn't been mentioned is because of that and and I would I, I want Hugh Freeze uh, I mean Hugh Freeze would I just think be an incredible coach I think he belongs at a power five school uh, with these schools like Texas Tech TCU opening up, they better be calling that man and getting that man because he belongs in the Power Five. He may not want to go back to a Power Five because he's kind of got it made at Liberty. He's making a bag of cash. If he's got a winning record, Liberty's happy. You know what I mean? And right now he's doing better than that, and he's got like a first-round projected quarterback uh, for the NFL. So, you know, I mean, as bad as that situation was at Ole Miss for Hugh Freeze, I'm glad to see him being successful again. and you know, a lot of people say, a lot of people think that he can't come back to the SEC because the SEC won't allow him back into the SEC as a head coach. But that's not true. No, uh, the the, insti- the institutions, as individuals, they have that right to hire who they want to hire. So, I mean, we just need to scratch that off. So he could potentially come back to the SEC, even if it isn't LSU, which we don't assume he will be coming to LSU. That's we're not saying that, but you know, he he could still come back to the SEC if he wanted. And, I mean, I don't think he'll get hired either, like you said, but I would like to see him get hired somewhere because I think he deserves it. Like you said, I, I would be thrilled with Dabo. I don't know if it will get happen, uh, but if that could be a possibility, I mean, why not? Uh, I, it sounds like there's been phone calls made and to Dabo and that they the phone calls didn't go too bad, that uh, there may have been some slight interest, maybe not interest, but – they were favorable calls, and when you've won two national championships, uh, I think you deserve some respect. And when you have an off season, and it feels like maybe they don't respect you as much, maybe Dabo has the thought in his mind. You know, maybe I could make this move. Maybe I don't feel respected. And with the kind of money, it sounds like that Scott Woodward is floating around a hundred million for eight years. That's that's big money. That's big money, and if you feel like you're being disrespected at a place where you've won two national championships, uh, the possibility may be there. I'd be happy with Jimbo uh, or Mel Tucker, the people who say, and like with the whole James Franklin, oh, he lost to Illinois, or Mel Tucker, oh, they just lost to Purdue. I don't buy that. I don't believe that stuff. One game doesn't define a coach. If you're looking at Penn State, if you're looking at Michigan State, the talent level between those two schools and the resources between those two schools, Compared to LSU, I mean, come on, uh, it's not even close. So I don't, I, agree. I don't know. I mean, as tactful as excellent as Scott Woodward is at his job, I don't know if he misses. Like, I'm, I'm not even worried about it. In all honesty, 
I don't think he can miss. Even if you go get somebody like Billy Napier, like I'm not even upset about that. So yeah. I think this this could drastically change and impact LSU football for a long time to come because I think with the competent coach, like you said, we can be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, let's let's be honest. We've had two coaches who haven't been that great, one of them who almost, you could say, is incompetent when it comes to hiring and managing in Ed Orgeron and one who refused, it felt like, to leave an archaic offense in Les Miles. And both of those coaches won national championships, and Les Miles played for two. Alabama has the most championship wins in the BCS and college football playoff era. Number two is LSU. So you get, and we did it with Les Miles and Ed Ordron. So if you get a competent coach coach in, uh, there's no telling what could happen. And of course, the the third one came with Nick Saban. And people say, oh, well, that was Nick Saban. But I say, you know, that was Nick Saban before he was Nick Saban. I mean, that was Michigan State hire Nick Saban. So I don't buy into that either. Uh, So, anyways, I think the impact for for this hire is huge for the future of LSU. Um, So I'm pretty excited. Um, Scott, we trust. And Scott, we trust for sure. I mean, shoot, what a – what an improvement from Joe Oliva to Scott Woodward. Thank goodness. And I mean, sh- shoot, we've talked about, you know, me and you have talked about before how, I mean, this is what Scott Woodward has been waiting for, right? And, and you go back and you look at his track record. He's done nothing but been a big yeah. game hunter, and he has gotten his kills uh, on, on, on in big game hunting. I mean, you know, Chris Peterson, uh, Jimbo, uh, Buzz Williams, who at the time was – a huge, huge uh, head co- head football coach on the market at that time that A and M was looking, and he went and got him. Kim Mulkey, yeah, basketball, but yeah, yeah, uh, Kim Mulkey. I mean, how three time national champion, and, and you see what Jay Johnson's doing. And we'll get into baseball after this, but I mean, you see what Jay Johnson's doing. Uh, I mean, and now he's getting to make the hire that he has. The higher of his dream. entire career on, right? I mean, so I, I trust in him to, to get it right, like as you said. Yeah. And and speaking of Scott Wilbur hires, let's kind of transition here to to baseball a little bit. Um, I know it's a little early, but they have uh, had some scrimmages. And, I mean, let's just talk about it because it seems like there's a lot to talk about with LSU baseball. Jay Johnson has come in, and it feels like he has taken – this program by storm. Uh, I mean, number one recruiting class in 2022. Number one recruiting class in 2022. Dude has hit the transfer portal. Uh, he has hit it hard. He has hit the recruiting Basically trail Basically combined hard. two teams of, yes. with their best players. I mean, bringing, bringing, bringing Jacob Berry from Arizona to LSU, huge. I mean, Jacob Berry is the number one prospect, preseason prospect, for Major League Baseball, and that man's going to be the, our starting third baseman. And Mikey baseball. Romero. From Mikey Arizona. Romero. So, I, I mean, the dude's killing it. Dude's killing it. He seems like an excellent coach. And that's this is kind of going back to the Scott Wilber thing. This is why I'm not worried about it. Jay Johnson was that guy who was five, six, seven on the list of guys we were trying to hire. But Scott Woodward knew what he was looking for and knew what he wanted and knew the type of character and 
coach that he wanted, and man, he went and got it. And Jay Johnson is no uh, bat to the eye. I mean, the dude had Arizona as one of the top hitting teams two years in a two years in a row uh, in the Pac-12, and and also in the nation, and has been to Omaha twice. And I mean. Let's. If you want to look at Arizona compared to LSU when it comes to baseball, it's leaps and bounds. I mean, six national championships, uh, a legacy uh, in baseball. Probably one of the probably the greatest baseball program in all of college. And the greatest um, baseball college baseball coach. Uh, yeah, probably, with probably the, baseball yes. coach period, including MLB. Yeah, yeah, arguably. So. Jay Johnson, I think, hasn't made, and he, I think, has taken advantage of this opportunity. They had a scrimmage this past Sunday uh, where they played 20 innings against New Orleans. Uh, speaking of New I've Orleans. I've never seen that before. Had you yeah. seen that before? I have not, but they, they, they break the 20 innings into, into two sections. It's practically like two 10-inning uh, games. Uh, I guess it's a little extra so they can, you know, get some guys in, play some guys, get some experience, whatnot, see what they're working with. Uh, speaking of UNO, former LSU Tiger himself, Blake Dean is the head coach there. Appreciate him coming and letting Jay Johnson and, and, and their team go at it. So to get some, some good looks on the team and fill out the team and whatnot. Here's a few stats from the first 10 innings. Tyler McManus, who's also a transfer from Sanford, that Jay Johnson got. He's a catcher. He went three for five with a home run and two uh, RBIs. Braden Joe Bear, who is a uh, – I can't remember if he's a recruit or a transfer, but Braden Joe Bear looks to be like the guy for the DH spot. He has a big bat, big swing, chance to go yard at any moment stepping up to the plate. He was three for six in the first game. Trey Morgan – Mr. Speedster, Mr. Flexibility, uh, Mr. Left-handed, first baseman, probably the best first baseman in all of college baseball. He went two for four with a double, two RBIs. Cade Doty, two for five with a double and an RBI. So, I mean, a great day for hitting, and that's what Jay Johnson does, man. Uh, He's a hitting coach. He is an offensive-minded coach, and – I think with the players that we have, we can be a threat to score a lot of runs. How how do these players that we have gotten so used to seeing over these last couple of years, how do they get in the lineup? I mean, Giacomo, Kay Beloso, Alex Malaza. I mean, shoot, they've got they've got three guys that can play catcher. They've got Tyler, they've got Alex Malazzo, and then they've got Blaze Priester. I mean, that's yeah, three yeah. guys that can start for you. Yeah. Obviously, Alex is, you know, Malazzo has had some struggles with the bat. Um, but, of course, now you've got Jay Johnson as your hitting coach, right? Absolutely. Where does Kate, a guy like Cade Beloso, DiGiacomo, Malazzo, Brody Dross, you know, guys like guys like that, how do, how do they find spots in this lineup with all these just studs everywhere? That's, that's the thing is I don't – I don't know if all of them can, but think about those type of guys. If they can't make the lineup, think about them being your reserves. Say somebody messes a knee up, game. twists an ankle. You can plug Malazzo in if he's not starting, and Malazzo is an excellent defensive catcher. And if he's worked with Jay Johnson on his bat and he's better, this just adds depth 
to the team that last year we didn't feel like we had much depth on. That's an awesome thing. Uh, speaking of Cade Beloso, last year just had a really, really tough time at the plate. Man comes into this scrimmage who, by the way, he looks like he slimmed up, hadn't he? The dude who <laughs> he, he, he looks kinda, good. Yeah, he looks good. He he, he, he was kind of a uh, kind of a stocky looking guy, man. He's still, th- he's still thick though. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's still, yeah. He's still got some meat on him. But he he he's looking good. Dude dropped two home runs and a double uh, in love this that, game, especially yeah, considering last year's considering last year's performance. I know he struggled. I know uh, he wanted to get back to a, his freshman year that was so dynamic. He it feels like he's looking like himself again a little bit, having some energy, playing loose. It looked like. Uh, two home runs and a double on the day. Uh, in the second game, Trey Morgan also had a triple. I think you're going to see a lot of that. The man got some speed. And Blaze Priester played catcher so in in the uh, second uh, set there. And he had a double as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think Jay Johnson has his work cut out for him when it comes to making a starting nine. And depth and talent is a good problem to have. So... I mean, talk, we're about to transition to basketball, but before we end with baseball, I mean, give me give me your starting lineup. Who is your starting nine, and then who is your weekend rotation with pitchers? And then I'll, I'll give you mine. Oh, man. I don't know if it'll be this order, but I'll give you by position who I think it'll be. Yeah, yeah, by position. Yeah, by position. Catcher's going to be a tough one, so I'll have to save that for last. First base, obvious, Trey Morgan. Uh, second base, I got to go K. Doty. Uh, shortstop, solid, Jordan Thompson, Jacob Berry, I think is an obvious start at third base. No questions asked. Left field, you got to go with Mr. Number 8, Gavin Dugas, the, the leader of this team. Love uh, that kid. Gorilla ball, Gavin Dugas. He's got to go left field. It looked like that Dylan Cruz played center in, in this scrimmage. So I'm not sure if he'll play center or right this year, but I'll give you my two outfielders. I think it'll be Cruz and um, the other guy. Uh, it could be Andrew Stevenson's little brother or Josh Pearson, the new freshman. Josh Pearson, it, it looks to be really good. Got a lot of speed on his feet, man, and he can swing a bat. So I think that's gonna, there's going to be a battle for that third spot between the veteran DeJocmo Stevenson and Pierce and the newcomers behind the plate. I'm going to make a prediction here that 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 may not turn out to be, but I'm going to say Blaze Priester, a guy who is a freshman who was planning on going pro, and if he wasn't able to go pro, he was going to sign JUCO, play one year, then go pro because he's just he's just that good. And with Jay Johnson making the hire. And him not being his name not being called in the draft, Jay Johnson went and got him, and he's a huge pickup in that in last year's recruiting class. Uh, he's dynamic behind the plate defensively, and he's got a huge bat. So I'm gonna say Blaze Priester. I, I, I with starting three pitchers rotation, I can't say that at all right now, and I don't even think Jay Johnson could. So that's my starting nine. I think right now. All right. Well, I'll give you some insight into who I believe this. The starting three pitchers in the rotation will be for the weekend. I agree with you everywhere. I want to see DiGiacomo get the start uh, in center and putting Cruz out there. And I, I like ha- having a veteran guy out there. 
we've seen him be able to hit in different spots in different times of the last two seasons. You know, if you get him in Jay Johnson's system and, and can keep him healthy, which that's been a big problem for him is keeping him healthy. I would love to see DiGiacomo be in center and cruise over and right. Infield, I'm 100% with you. Agree. I mean, you're going to see Thompson in short. You're going to see Barry at third, Doty at second. You're going to see Trey Morgan at first. I, I'm kind of with you on not knowing who is going to be the catcher. I honestly think McManus is probably going to get the nod. And then you have somebody like Blaze Priester and Braden Jobert rotating in that DH spot along with probably a K below. So if if I were to guess who are starting three pitchers for the weekend, I'm going to say Friday night, you're going to have Devin Fontenot. Saturday, you've got Rosalman. And then Sunday, you're going to have Mikael Hilliard with the way he ended last season yeah. and just tearing people up with that 12-6 to curveball, which is just absolutely nasty when you see it. It just destroys that, defenders. That middle it, finger. It destroys hitters. Yeah. That middle finger he has, I don't know if you've ever seen it, uh, but it is like like an, two inches longer than it seems like than any other finger he has that makes that current ball a true 12 to 6 curveball. ball. Man. It's nasty. I like that lineup. If that's the lineup, I'm happy. I mean, I sure, you thrilled. got Garrett Edwards and Javon Coleman and Ty Ty all those guys that can come in and say that one of those stars has a rough start. You can bring them in, and they're basically another starter. And then you have them for the weekdays. And Jay, um, that's that's another thing Jay Johnson has done is he has added yeah. depth to the bullpen. Yes, and we did it badly. And so I'm excited. I think expectations this year are high for baseball. I'm I'm thrilled. Omaha are bust. Omaha are bust, man. Omaha are bust. If, if Jay Johnson takes us to Omaha first year, what a statement to make on his first year. He came uh, with the talent for sure. Yeah, yeah, man. It, the talent's there. The team is there. I, I, I think he. I think we're going to get it done this year. I, I don't know about the whole way, but we'll see. And I'm excited. Let's. I'm also excited about tomorrow night, opening night, Mister General Wade. I don't know if you saw that thing today uh, with LSU basketball's media. So pumped. They, they released General Wade. Uh, I, I want you to boot up, and I loved it. It was awesome. I would have never expected him to do that. Opening night in the PMAC against ULM Warhawks. I think this is a kind of a gimme game. ESPN's Basketball Power Index has this about a 91% chance in favor of LSU. I think the big conversation is with Adam Miller's injury, who's going to play the two? Who's LSU starting that. five? Yeah, man, you obviously hate to hear the Adam Miller injury and to see him go down. I mean, as it's been talked about on several different platforms, I mean, he was the guy that you bring in to be Cam Thomas. I mean, he was the guy that was going to be a scorer. And I know a lot of people, they go back and they they look at his stats from when he was at Illinois and they see that eight points per game. And they're like, how the heck is this guy going to be Cam Thomas? Illinois did not set him up to be the scorer. That was not his role in that offense at Illinois. But the dude is a scorer. He was one of the top recruits in the nation coming out of his class. To see him go down with that uh, ACL injury, that really hurt. If we're kind of on the baseball, uh, lines of baseball, we're going to predict a starting five. I think it's pretty obvious who, who's going to be a point guard, the transfer from Missouri, Xavier Pinson, who had a really good season with them. 
gave us trouble last year when we played them. I think that's a, a pretty pretty obvious choice there. He's a senior. He's a veteran. He's a guy you can lean on. He's played in the SEC. He's got a lot of experience. Going to be just that really good game manager for the Tigers, but somebody that can also put up some points. Forward, you can't go away from Darius Days. I mean, he's he's definitely going to be in the lineup. He's the leader. Yeah. De- definitely going to be a starter. I mean, he's the he's the leader. He's the captain of that team. And man, what a huge get to have him come back and not go to the NBA draft. You lose Cam. You lose Javante. You lose Trendon. Coming out of that season, you really believe you're losing Darius Days too. And yet, uh, he goes, he tests the waters, and he comes back. And that's that's going to be huge for this team to have him. Uh, somebody that's that's going to have been here for four years uh, this upcoming season. Then you go. I think you can go to a, a couple of bigs, Efton Reed, T- uh, Tari Eason, some of the younger guys. I, I think they're definitely going to play huge roles, uh, and I, I think you got to give them the nod as starters. Tari Eason at the other forward, and Efton Reed as the five. And then, like you said, uh, who is going to be the two? I think Brandon Murray probably gets the nod there. You got to believe it's probably going to be him or Eric Gaines, but Eric Gaines is is more of a true point guard. And with Xavier Pinson there, you got to see him kind of coming in as that sixth man. I mean, Eric Gaines is probably going to be your sixth man. He's probably going to be the first one off the bench. But if it was my guess, I would say probably Brandon Murray or Alex Fudge. And, and I've seen a few tweets that have been released. I know that they've been messing around with uh, a big lineup and, and, and a smaller lineup where you where you got uh, Xavier Pinson, Milani Wilkinson, Darius Days, Tari Eason, Efton Reed in a bigs kind of lineup, and then you've got Pinson, Fudge, Murray, those smaller guys, those smaller guards and forward with a smaller lineup. So we'll see. It'll be interesting who they put as a starting five tomorrow night. I'm, I'm pumped for it, though. Yeah, I, I think we agree with the starting five. I, I think I got to go Pinson. At the one for the two, I think I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it's the obvious choice, but based on the implications that Will Wade has given, is that Brandon Murray is he's a gamer and he can put some points up. So I, I think he gets the nod there. The three is Darius Days. Uh, the four Terry Eason, and I think the one and done five star Efton Reed will obviously start at five. The good thing this year compared to last year is depth. Last yes. year, our starting five, that was it. Like after that, it was a major drop off with points. You had Eric Gaines and then Milwaukee yeah. Wilkinson a little bit, and and those guys were freshmen. Yeah. yeah, and it was a major drop off. And honestly, it costs us games sometimes. I mean, this year off the bench, if it's our starting five with Murray at the two coming off the bench this year. I mean, you got Darrell Colbert, Bradley Azuaro from IMG. You got Alex Fudge, who is an athletic player. I mean, dude's got bounce. Um, you got Sharif O'Neal back uh, from injury. You got Mawani Wilkinson, and you got the new kid, Justice Williams. If I remember correctly, he was the 13th ranked overall player in the nation and reclassified to this year and signed with LSU. Uh, that was yep, a huge right get. This year's basketball team, if you were to able to have Alan, Adam Miller in this lineup, Gosh. good grief. It does hurt. I think we can make do. Uh, you obviously hate to lose players like that, especially Adam Miller. 
But there's depth on this team, and I'm excited about it. There's going to be guys who get a lot of minutes off the bench that will help out tremendously. That was one of our main problems last year. And the other problem last year was not having a true five. We were small when it came down to the paint. Efton Reed is massive, and he is a tall dude. He is a big dude. He's physical, and he is a presence in the paint. And so I think the two things that we needed to correct from last year from a roster standpoint, Will Wade went out and adjusted and fixed it. And General Wade is at it again when it comes to recruiting. He's been balling out, man. I'm super stoked about it. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow night and watching us beat down the Warhawks, the little brother in Louisiana. Do we know where it's going to be played on and Tom? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be played on, on SEC Network Plus. It'll be on ESPN Watch and all that. It's going to tip at 7. Well, I mean, probably it will tip a little bit after 7, but the game time is listed at 7 p.m. for LSU versus UL Monroe. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Man, it's been really fun chopping it up about LSU sports uh, as we love to do. Uh, we're going to keep pumping out these episodes. We're excited for this new podcast and what we're going to be doing, and we're thrilled to start this journey. Hey, we appreciate you listening. Come back and hear us next time in Tigers Avenue. Catch y'all later. Five Star, take us out. Oh, yeah. Five Star.